welcome to the Healing Our Sight podcast, where we discuss vision issues and healing strategies from the patient perspective. The goal of this podcast is to create an awareness of the diverse types of vision issues people experience, to highlight the types of help available, and to open a dialogue between patients as well as healthcare professionals and show that we're not alone in our vision struggles. In this episode, I'm speaking with Nathan Oxenfeld. I found Nathan when I was looking for natural ways to improve my own vision, and I came across the Naked Eye podcast. I also found his YouTube channel where he shares Bates Method 101, and I really started to enjoy his work. Nathan is a certified Bates Method teacher and the founder of Integral Eyesight Improvement based in Asheville, North Carolina, USA. Once Nathan successfully reversed his own vision problems using natural methods like the Bates Method and eye yoga, he began helping other people achieve more independence from artificial lenses and more improvements in their own natural abilities to see clearly. He is the author of Give Up Your Glasses for Good, Holistic Eye Care for the 21st Century. He's the host of the Naked Eye podcast and the Better Eyesight podcast, and the producer of the new documentary, Vision 2020, From Eyesight to Insight. More information is found on his website, IntegralEyesight.com. Without further ado, we'll move into today's episode. Welcome today to our podcast. Today I'm talking to Nathan Oxenfeld, who is a vision improvement educator that I've been working with recently, and uh, I'll have to update everyone as my journey goes on with that. But Nathan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be a vision improvement teacher? Yeah, thank you, Denise. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm a fan of your show. I love how you're giving it from the perspective of people involved in this work and and really just sharing stories. That's how people learn. Honored to be here today and honored to be able to get to work with you as well with, with your vision too. So maybe we can bring that up today as well. But but yeah, I've, I originally got into this natural vision improvement stuff just over 10 years ago. I was introduced to it in 2010 and I had already been wearing glasses and contacts for over a decade by that point. Uh, I got glasses as a, a young boy for nearsightedness and astigmatism mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, people probably know the, the normal story of wearing the glasses, the the prescription increases over time. The vision problems didn't seem to be really getting fixed. They were just, you know, being managed with the glasses. And I started wearing contacts as well. Mm -hmm. And so all throughout elementary school, middle school, high school, college, that's kind of what was going on, just the normal track. And it was actually leading me down the track towards laser eye surgery. That was I wasn't really fed up with my glasses per se, but I was kind of curious about maybe not needing glasses. And LASIK was really the only thing I knew about at that time. So that's kind of what I was gearing up for. But then all of a sudden, this other thing came across my path in 2010 called the Bates Method. And this is really one of the main forms of natural vision improvement, or I guess you could say one of the original forms of it that actually came out in the early 1900s under the work of an ophthalmologist named Dr. William Bates. And so I'm sure we'll go a little bit more into this method and what it, what it is and, and what it isn't. Cause I think that's important too. Uh, I, there's a lot of misunderstandings about it too. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, I, I was just really intrigued by this more holistic approach to eye care that I was not aware of prior to 2010. And it really just came to me in a time in my life where I was ready for it because I was making other lifestyle changes. I was modifying my diet, just kind of like getting healthier in general, but I was still putting pieces of plastic on my eyeballs every morning to see and function. And so that got me thinking, like, I wonder if there's something that, that I'm missing here in, you know, I'm doing yoga, I'm doing meditation, I'm eating healthy, I'm exercising, I'm doing all this good stuff. And my body is improving, but my eyes are not. So then when the Bates method showed up, it was like, this is the missing piece. You know, this is what I've been looking for as like, not even actively looking for it, but just some gut feeling that there was something out there that could maybe help me um, without having a surgery. Right. So yeah, I really kind of dedicated myself to it. And over time, weaned off of my prescription glasses, lower and lower prescriptions, and eventually got to the point of having the clear vision without artificial lenses and without getting a surgery. So it's more of a, a natural way of retraining the vision like vision therapy does, mm -hmm. except there's some differences between, you know, normal vision therapy and, and the Bates method, which I think would be another cool thing to explore in our talk today too. Mm -hmm. uh, but it all just started as a personal journey. Me, You know, I just wanted to work with my own vision and I did hire a Bates method teacher uh, based in California. And she helped me towards the end of my journey, really go all the way with it. And then I was just like really inspired to do what she was doing and help other people learn this stuff. So I trained under her to become certified in teaching the Bates method and started teaching it here in Asheville um, about eight years ago and then took it online. And I've just been doing classes and courses and workshops ever since. And it's been so amazing not only to see it work, actually work for me, but then to see it work in, in my students as well. It was like, the even more exciting thing <laughs> is almost all of your teaching online now with what's going on in the world since the pandemic. Yes. Before the pandemic, it was probably 90, 95% online. So I did have some local students here in Asheville who would come see me in person in my office. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, starting in like 2016, I started, you know, transitioning more to um, going online so that it wasn't just limited to Western North Carolina. Right. Um, so in the form of putting YouTube videos out and podcast episodes and making these online courses. And so it, it's, th this is the kind of thing that Dr. Bates didn't have access to a hundred years ago in terms of um, the communication and, and getting this information out there. I mean, he, he made a huge impact. We're still talking about it a century later, right. but you know, we have more tools at our fingertips to really let even more people know that this exists and that it's possible and that it's, fairly easy. It just takes the right stimulus and the right instructions and the right dedication and time to it mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to kind of a quick fix. And, and that's same kind of thinking with vision therapy as well. It's more of a behavioral change and a functional change. So, Right. And it often takes a longer than we think it should, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> what was your timeline for getting from where you were to 2020? Or I, are you, is your vision even better than that now? Yeah, so it still fluctuates. You know, sometimes I've got days where it's 2010, which is like two lines lower than 2020, like really, really sharp, really great. Mm -hmm. And then there's other days where maybe it's a little lower than 2020. So maybe 2025, 2030. Um, maybe if I'm super stressed, I'm, I'm seeing like 2040 or something like that. Right. But the thing about 
this natural vision thing is that we're looking at vision as this fluid um, fluctuating phenomenon as opposed to a fixed, rigid, static thing. And even though my vision still has some fluctuations in it, I know what to do to bring it back. If I do notice, oh, there's some some blur, like whereas before I wouldn't have known what to do and I probably would have just squinted or strained or or reached for my glasses. Yeah. So the, the timeline I mentioned, I learned about Bates method in 2010 mm-hmm. and by like 2013, I was pretty much independent from glasses. I still used them for driving at night and for working and for some social situations from time to time. And it wasn't until probably like 2014 that I was driving at night without the glasses and pretty much doing everything without them. Um, so all in all, it was like a three or four year process to go from daily dependence on glasses and contacts to no need for them and functioning and seeing clearly. But I was, I was seeing, I was having moments of 2020 or even 2010 vision in that first year, Okay. but they weren't, they weren't permanent. Right. So mm-hmm. that, that's one thing I like to differentiate for people is like the temporary improvements may show up within the first couple of days or weeks of putting this into practice, but they're kind of fleeting, right? That you, you see without your glasses, but then it's blurry again. I and think so, that people see that with their vision therapy too. They'll mm-hmm. have like this moment when, oh, I can see in 3D for this split second almost sometimes. So they know it's possible. So that's kind right. of what you're describing. You can see that it's possible to get to that point, but you haven't made it a permanent part of your vision yet. Yeah. And that's what I quote as the more three or four year answer, like in terms of the more long lasting, stable clarity, that was more of the long-term thing. But even in 2010, you know, when I first learned about it, I was seeing my vision start to change. Right. So it's like that, like you said, I love that word, that possibility. We need to have that experience like, Oh, this is possible. Um, We can read a book about it. We can hear somebody talk about it. We can watch a video about it. People can listen to this podcast, but it's not until they see through their own two eyes or one eye, depending, uh, (laughs) that it it is actually their experience. That's what I hope for people is that they, they test it themselves, put it into practice, see if it works. You know, don't ask me, don't ask Denise, like (laughs) ask yourself, like, does this work? Try it out and, um, and experiment with it. I think that it's very experimental in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think that's what people are going to look at it as too, is experimental and maybe have questions about it. Is there a typical timeline that you see in the people that you work with? Does it seem to follow what you experienced as far as that goes? Yeah. You know, I, everybody's so different, but I do see, you know, just in teaching this for seven or eight years, it has that tendency for it to be a multiple month or a multiple year journey for people. I've got, extreme cases on both ends of the spectrum where people see improvements much faster than they were even expecting. And then other people who it's taken a lot longer than they were expecting. But, but yeah, in, on, on average, there is kind of this gradual, like I said, weaning off of either prescription glasses or gradually decreasing vision issues over time, as opposed to it being more of a kind of spontaneous thing. But if anybody ever does look at Dr. Bates's original work, like his book, Perfect Sight Without Glasses or Better Eyesight magazines, you will find cases of those more spontaneous or more rapid 
recoveries in people, whether it's same day or within a week or a month. Mm-hmm. And I always looked at those as sort of the the star students or like the most impressive stats out of all the other ones. So I, I doubt that that was the case for everybody. And I'm sure there were plenty of people back then who it did take longer than that. But I think part of it was like, hey, look at how this works and, and look at these amazing results that we're getting. Sure. Um, that was sort of a double-edged sword because that was really inspiring to me. But when I was getting into my second and third year of this stuff, I was like, why is it taking so long? And <laughs> Why did it work so fast for them? Yeah. And it's a great question. That's one I get a lot. Like, how long is this going to take? How long did it take for you? Although I can't really answer that fully. I think it's a really good question to think, what is your timeline and what are your goals? I love it when people set short, midterm and long-term goals. So it's like, okay, this is what I can see in the foreseeable future as accomplishing. Maybe it's just stretching your visual acuity in terms of getting one line down on the chart or, you know, bringing some print a little bit closer in. Mm -hmm. And then like a midterm one would maybe be like, let's cut our prescription in half. You know, that's, it's maybe visible in the distance, but it's not quite as, as reachable as that sooner goal. But then maybe there's a longer term goal it's like, you know, I want to be off my glasses altogether. Mm-hmm. And that might, you know, be the the longer term thing that we're talking about. And we don't necessarily just want to focus on that finish line, you know, because then we kind of miss certain celebrations along the way. And I think that's important to keep us motivated to know like, yeah, I'm making progress. Celebrating along the way is something I've always struggled with. So I think that's a, that's a really great point to make. Uh, what would you say to people who are skeptical about the natural methods of improving their vision, or maybe they've tried it in the past and they didn't get a good result? I could even include myself in that, honestly, because I tried decreasing my prescription before vision therapy. So maybe 10 years ago, and I got it down to about what I've got it down to now (laughs) before I gave up and said, I'm just going to try this vision therapy thing. First thing I would say is I hear you and and I understand why there would be some skepticism or questioning of some of these more kind of outstanding claims um, that you see in the Bates method and some of the work and the material. So I went into the Bates method with a healthy amount of skepticism with me, right? I wasn't just like all in like, oh, wow, let's just do this. (laughs) Like there was a part of me of like, is this real? Like, is this possible? And I think a lot of people are going into it with that. But like I mentioned before, when I had my personal experience of literally seeing clearly without my glasses, even though it was a glimpse and just a moment that began to chip away at that skepticism and there, it was still there, but the more it happened, it was like, I can't explain around this. I can't deny this experience. I'm my personal experience. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that people are skeptical and I want them to put it into practice and to test it out. And, and your second part of the question is like, what if people have done that and they feel like it hasn't worked? And to that, I would really like to get more information or ask questions about the approach mm-hmm. because you can do the Bates method correctly and you can do it incorrectly. Yeah. And for me, you know, I made a lot of mistakes in those first two or three years before I had a coach to kind of teach me the correct way to do it. Um, I kind of figured a lot of it out myself, but when I had that guidance from somebody who's been teaching this for 40 plus years, it was like my approach was off, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was missing out on certain subtle principles and these more nuanced levels of the vision that if I was just reading it from a book, I was just on the surface level. 
Right. What I mean by that is mental. This is one of the areas where kind of the more traditional vision therapy and the Bates method differ is the Bates method puts a huge emphasis on rest and relaxation and on the mental part of our vision. So the non-physical stuff, not just the eyesight, but the insight. So your memory, your imagination, your visualization, and this whole inner game stuff, which a lot of times the reason people think the Bates method doesn't work is because they're not actually doing the Bates method. They're (laughs) doing some version of the Bates method that has been twisted or watered down over the past century. And it's it's a more exercise-based approach. So I, I meet with a lot of people who I love to ask people, what have you tried so far on your own? before scheduling a a session with me, you know, like before I scheduled a session with my teacher, what was I doing? Right. And 99% of the people say, well, I, you know, I do my eye movements. I look left, I look right. I look up, I look down, I do clockwise, counterclockwise. Mm -hmm. And they may list some other things, but. Near and far focusing is one. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the, you know, pencil push-ups, looking near, far adjusting. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to say that those are bad or they don't have any benefit, but that's not the Bates method. Mm -hmm. And that is more about the physical eye structure and, you know, range of motion. And and it is good to release that strain and tension and get some more flexibility, but that's not the Bates method. The Bates method teaches us how to relax the mind, how to focus the mind and how to use the eyes correctly and naturally, just like somebody who doesn't need glasses to see. It's one of my favorite things that Dr. Bates recommended us to do. If we want to achieve more perfect vision, we hang out with people who have perfect vision and we observe how they use their eyes. How much are they blinking? How are they shifting? Um, you know, they're not staring. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have these better vision habits. So it really comes down to the habits. When I meet somebody who's like, yeah, I've been doing the Bates method for years and it hasn't really done that much. Usually it's because they have something backwards, which is that uh, Dr. Bates said vision is 90% mental and 10% physical. Mm -hmm. And people's approach is backwards. They've got 90% on the physical and maybe 10% on the mental. And so when people neglect that non-physical aspect of the vision, not that much changes because our vision isn't happening in our eyeballs, it's happening in our brain. So by getting into that mental level and working more on that whole neuroplasticity component and the inner vision work, that to me is, is what sets the Bates method apart from eye exercises and even you know some of the more traditional vision therapy. And almost every person who I've met who has gone through a series of vision therapy, I like to ask, what was the emphasis on rest and relaxation? Was there time to take a break or palm the eyes? And, and a lot of people don't really mention that that was a big part of it. It sometimes ends up being a little more like physical therapy, mm-hmm. which like I said, is important, you know, and, and there's been some amazing miraculous things that have come from vision therapy and from, you know, retraining the, the eyes and the visual system. And so I would invite people to think about that. Another thing that people have sort of backwards, and this is just a different way of saying what I kind of just said, which is that another thing, like you you brought the near to far shifting, looking at your finger, looking out the window or a pencil or a pen. One of my other favorite questions to ask people is, do you do that with your eyes open or with your eyes closed? And Mm -hmm. for most people, it's open. 
Sure. And, and that is working with more of the physical side of it, the eyesight, the movements, the convergence, divergence, accommodation. Mm-hmm. But when we do that with the eyes closed, we still have the finger up, we still have the pens and, and the different targets there, but with the eyes closed, it becomes a much more mental phenomenon and we have to confront what the mind is seeing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of my favorite things about the Bates method is how he, you know, Dr. Bates really opened up vision into that whole non-physical realm for us to explore. Right. So have you worked with very many people who actually are trying to overcome strabismus or amblyopia, convergence insufficiency, those types of issues? I have. Yeah. So a lot of people come to the Bates method with a refractive error. So nearsightedness, farsightedness, stigmatism, Uh, but it's also shown to help with strabismus, amblyopia, whether it's a muscular imbalance, so turning eye or more of a neurological thing with the connections. So yeah, Dr. Bates did not just limit this vision improvement stuff to blur and, and learning how to decrease the blur, but he also worked with strabismus. He has a chapter in his book, two chapters in his book. The first one's called uh, Squint and Amblyopia, mm-hmm. its cause. And then the next one is Squint and Amblyopia, its cure. So he, he gives his explanation of why it's there and then also provides some solutions of what, how to work with it naturally instead of getting a surgery, which usually is just cosmetic in general. But I got one, into really big trouble saying that one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it, it can have that you know, rewiring effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but in general, I mean, a lot of eye surgeons, you know, say that it's, it's, it's more just for the looks, you know, it may not necessarily lead to fusion or, or 3d vision. Well, they can't uh, guarantee that it will. And right, so right. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're just going to say, well, we consider this a success if your eyes line up correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think where, um, the vision therapy and, and the bait stuff is really shines, you know, beyond that, because it's like, not only can we potentially get the alignment, but we can get the fusion too, and really reestablish that binocular vision. Mm-hmm. And so one of the, uh, the concepts of, of Bates's view on, on strabismus is that a lot of times it's called a lazy eye. Mm-hmm. And I don't call it that because Bates's view on it is that the eye is turning, not because it's lazy, but because it's strained. Sure. So that word lazy makes you think, oh, it needs to get up and start working harder. But really, it's actually more strained than the other eye. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we might want to change that language a little bit or maybe just say, oh, that's my strained eye instead of my lazy eye. And that that all of a sudden changes the whole dynamic and it changes your approach because it's like, oh, it's not necessarily about forcing this eye into alignment. It's how do I relieve that strain that's causing the misalignment? And maybe when I achieve that more relaxation, the eyes will find their alignment more naturally on their own. And one of Dr. Bates' suggestions when people would come in with strabismus, he would ask them, usually it's associated with some double vision phenomenon. He would say, can you make it more double? So if there's two images side by side, because the eye is turning in or out, can you make those two images go farther apart? And at first people would be like, whoa, I came here to fix the double vision, not to make it worse. Exactly. <laughs> but 
but by doing this, he was showing people that they have some control over it and they can voluntarily make it a little bit worse. And if that is the case, then on the other side of that statement must be, oh, I, I can also make it better. So if you can make the images go farther apart, maybe you can bring them closer together. Mm-hmm. And it's not physical, right? It's not this physical manipulation. It's partly mental. How do I get these images to move and, and align you know, with, with the visual processing system, which is going to influence where the eyes are, are pointing and aiming and teaming? Sure. Okay. And I don't suppose we have any kind of statistics on success rates with the Bates method, do we? There are. So there are certain studies and over the years that have been done, not only did Dr. Bates like compile this massive mountain of of research and evidence backing up all of his discoveries and all of these cases where people were getting off of glasses and avoiding surgeries, uh, but even beyond, you know, the founder of this method since then, you know, there have been case histories or studies, mind you, they've all been fairly small in size because this is not really a mainstream thing. So it's not really getting funding or, or these clinical trials or these long-term studies over decades or whatever. Well, there's but, no money in it either. And so there's, we're not going to have companies wanting to do studies on, on this kind of right. thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and actually um, Dr. Ray Gottlieb is one of my uh, mentors in this field. He's a retired eye doctor. He, he was really embracing all the bait stuff and he's still active in the community. He comes to the conferences and is, scouring research papers, looking for what's going on in the scientific community that's, you know, kind of backing some of this stuff up. Mm-hmm. And he he kind of jokes around is of saying like, how how do you do a double blind study about vision? <laughs> <laughs> but, but like for example, my vision teacher, Dr. Jerry Ann Tabor, who I mentioned before, she's been teaching the Bates method since the 70s. Mm-hmm. One of her students did a um, his dissertation on this stuff. And he compiled a research study and and tracked dozens of people in in their improvements from start to finish, going from like 2080 to 2040 or 2050 to 2015, things like that. Mm -hmm. And there's a a Bates teacher in Scotland, in Glasgow, Anna Bambridge. And she, I think for her graduate program, she did a, a study on it and she conducted the trial and, um, once again, it was a fairly small size. You know, there are some people out there studying this stuff and wanting to gather more data, myself included. Like whenever I have people go through my programs and, and work with me, I always have people create a starting point. So we see, okay, where's your vision at the beginning? And there's really simple, easy ways we can just check in with that on our own at home. And then we we monitor it as we go and we see, you know, it's, it's more of a, a case history kind of tracking of it. But sort of the sad thing about Anna's study that she was telling us about was that there was a small group of of participants in it, but the one or two that got these amazing results from it were actually um, left out of the study. They were left out of the results because they were outliers. They were considered outliers. Oh, you have to drop the high person and the low person. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. So it, you know, there's there are certain things about how we are, you know, how are we conducting these studies and how are we dealing with the numbers and stuff. But hopefully, you know, in time there will be some more controlled studies of it and things like that because it warrants it. And I feel like th- there's still so much we have to learn about the eyes and the vision and and coming at it with an open mind. I think is so important. 
and really considering what these other possibilities could be. You know, a couple other studies come to mind. There's one out of Saudi Arabia where some of these Bates techniques were applied in adolescent girls, and there was some statistically prominent improvements in that group. It was, once again, pretty small. So, you know, there, there's here and there, you, you find these things cropping up. But if you ever search Bates method online or you go to the Wikipedia page, you're going to see a much different story. Sure. And it's going to say, you know, this doesn't work. This is impossible. Like, don't even try this. Like, it, you know, and, and that's really unfortunate because a lot of those claims are based off of that misinformation I said before. You know, they're talking about eye exercises on that Wikipedia page. That's that's a fundamental misunderstanding of the Bates method. So sure. if if you do your own research about this stuff, you're, you're definitely going to find, you know, both sides of the, the argument there. And that's why originally my hope for people listening is to take that in, you know, see what, see what's out there, but ultimately see for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I hear people say that they were told not to do anything outside of what their doctor recommends. So if you're seeing, you know, your vision therapy doctor, don't do any exercises or anything like that other than what they tell you. Right. And so they're going to maybe discount this because, oh, I don't have my doctor's approval for it or something like that. What are some simple things that people can do that do not require doctor approval? Let's see. Well, and, and that's the thing is I love that question. What what can people do? Because, and it's just semantics, but a, a really interesting response to that is a big thing that the Bates method teaches us is what not to do. Okay. And so, like I said before, it's the habits. We're learning how to not squint, not strain, you know, not force the eyes. So we're, we're learning how to let go of these bad vision habits mm-hmm. and start to adopt these new ones. Some of them people are learning in vision therapy, you know, better tracking and teaming and these, these healthy vision habits. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't see why there would be any resistance to, let's say, a vision therapy doctor sending their patient home and then their patient gets home and they palm their eyes. So they <laughs> take their glasses off, they cup their palms and they, they cover them with their hands. So there's not any pressure on the eyes or touching the eyes. It's just to block the light. Mm-hmm. And we just hold this position, you know, supported. So the elbows are supported. So your shoulders don't get tired, but covering the eyes with the palms is one of the practices from the Bates method, which is designed to promote rest and relaxation. So if you have a great vision therapy session and your, your eyes are feeling great, you're like, yeah, I'm working them out They're They're starting to work together. I'm getting this, these 3d vision moments. You get home and you palm your eyes and all of that good stuff you got at the vision therapy session is integrating and the neuroplasticity is actually happening when we're in a state of rest and relaxation, not when we're in that state of high activity as much. Mm-hmm. So it, all of the stuff from the Bates method is gentle. It's relaxing. It's not exercises. It's not going to throw off your, your progress at the vision therapy office. It's going to complement it. And maybe even speed it up or get even better results when you combine them. Sure. You know, I do have some students who do both. They go see their vision therapist and then, and they want to know even more what they can do on their own in between their vision therapy appointments to really be pushing this along. Just like how I didn't only use the Bates method. That was kind of my main platform, 
but I was doing yoga. I was doing meditation. I was doing some breath work. I was going to see the acupuncturist, the chiropractor, the massage therapist, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff in my mind was underneath the vision improvement umbrella. Okay. Because it was all contributing to my wellness and my relaxation. And when we look at eyes as a holistic thing, um, our eye health is a reflection of the whole. And so anything you can do to find relaxation or, or wellness or health healing in other parts of the body, it's all connected. So maybe people are already doing some good things for their eyes that they might not even consider, oh, this is actually contributing to vision stimulus, mm-hmm. like playing tennis or going on a walk or riding a bike, like all these, these movement things can actually be adapted into vision training if we just have the right kind of intention behind it. I like that. Yeah. Do you find that it's becoming more accepted to do this kind of thing as other things like this are becoming more accepted, like acupuncture is more accepted, chiropractic is more accepted, you know, those kinds of other things that were always before considered so alternative that people were really wondering if they should try them, that it's becoming more accepted like those other things are? I guess it depends on who we're thinking about is accepting it. You know, is that question geared towards the general public? Is it more towards the eye care field or ophthalmological, you know, mm-hmm. realm? Because um, even though this has been around for over a hundred years, um, it still really isn't embraced by the the conventional uh, orthodox approach in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But there are people in the conventional eye care field who are into it. And uh, I'm a part of a WhatsApp group with an uh, international group of vision teachers, uh, over a hundred of these you know, natural vision educators from around the world. And we just have this thread going. And uh, just this morning, actually, there was a lot of um, talk about people giving examples of holistic ophthalmologists, eye doctors who they loved in the past, who are really supportive of their endeavor into healing their eyes. Mm-hmm. And so they are out there and there are lots of people who do embrace this and, and accept it, but Um, I'd say it's the minority. Yeah. In terms of the general public, like I said before about the communication, the age of communication we're in, the internet, I feel like there is more desire to explore and maybe more people finding out about it with the help of these tools. Compared to a hundred years ago, like it it it's a good mental exercise for me to think about how Dr. Bates felt when he was putting these ideas out there a century ago. And like you said, now today, we've, we've come a long way in terms of studying these things and learning what, what does work. And, um, and yet even still today, there's still a ton of resistance to it. And, and like I said before, it's understandable. I totally understand why people would be a little skeptical about it or write it off as not working, but I don't know. I got so much inspiration from reading other people's successes using this stuff over the years. I mean, people have been doing this for a hundred years and getting results from it. So. Right. And I think that for me, I found you because I Googled. Mm -hmm. Actually, I was on the podcast app and just put in vision improvement Mm -hmm. and your podcast came up and I thought, well, I might as well listen to this because I had already been, you know, trying it way back when I was reducing my prescription before vision therapy mm-hmm. and just found it so fascinating that I kept listening, obviously. 
Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your podcast and actually your two podcasts and your book that you've written so that people kind of have a place to go to find out more. Absolutely. You know, when I first learned about this stuff, I was really eager to search around to see what kind of resources I could find. So I went right to YouTube and I I started searching around for Bates Method and vision training stuff. And I wasn't really that impressed <laughs> with, with what I saw. There were some really good videos. There was a woman in England sharing these really cool short videos, um, Julia Galvin. Um, mm-hmm. Those seemed like they were legit. And it was like actually the Bates Method. But a lot of the other ones I found were just like doing the eye exercises, look up and down, all that stuff. And so ever since I started realizing that I wanted to pursue this and and devote my life to being a vision teacher, I've been on this mission to put out the original Bates method. And and really, since there is so much, not only misinformation about what it is, but just a lack of awareness in general that it exists, Mm -hmm. that was like a mission. I, I just wanted to put stuff out there to let people know, hey, this is a thing. And this is how it works so that you can decide, is this something that I want to look more into? So yeah, I started the YouTube channel. Um, If you search Bates Method 101, there's just a lot of different videos that show you some of these techniques, like the palming one I talked about earlier and and some others. And then I started doing the podcast. So the Naked Eye podcast started off as just my personal show where I would just kind of teach some of the Bates stuff. One of the very earliest episodes is Bates method versus eye exercises. So it kind of goes deeper into like, Hey, this is not eye exercises <laughs> kind of like we've talked about today. Sure. Um, but then I kind of transitioned more into interview show. So I've been bringing guests on and whether they're other vision teachers or people in the holistic field, providing alternatives that, that, and we kind of see where's the overlap. How does this influence our vision and our eyesight? Mm-hmm. But then in uh, 2019, I started a different podcast called Better Eyesight Podcast, where we actually read Dr. Bates's works because he published a monthly magazine called Better Eyesight that came out from July 1919 to June 1930. Mm-hmm. So 11 years worth of monthly magazines that that he would mail out around the country and the world. And so as a 100-year celebration, uh, we started this Better Eyesight podcast, July 2019. Uh, and, and so it's an 11 year podcast where we're going through reading each month's um, Better Eyesight from exactly 100 years ago, not just reading it word for word, but also having some like discussions in between to give it a little bit more modern commentary and help us understand this, this stuff. Yeah, and um, I, I love listening to those and hearing the discussion between them too, because there's so much of it that you think this has been going on for a hundred years mm-hmm. and the kinds of issues they discuss have only gotten exponentially worse over those right. hundred years. I know. Yeah. And, and and yet we feel it. I love it. I love reading them because we feel that connection, even though we're a hundred years apart. You know, we, we're still dealing with similar vision issues. And even though we have a lot more screens to look at than they did, um, you know, they were reading lots of books and, and, you know, there was a lot of near focus time and stuff. So there's so many things we have, we can learn from that. And then with the book, yeah, I, I, I put the book out, give up your glasses for good as sort of a workbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I knew there were already lots of books out there on kind of explaining the theory and the, and the anatomy and, and all that stuff that, is really important to learn. 
but I wanted to provide something where people could just get it and just say, okay, how do I do palming? Step one, step two, step three. How do I do the long swing? Step one, step two, step three. So it just kind of facilitates you through the process. But just like if you were to try and learn some other skill from a book, like an instrument, you know, learning the piano from a book, you can probably make some progress, but you might hit some areas where you're like, what does that mean? Or how do I do this? And for me, that's where having some more kind of personalized guidance is so important. Right. Well, and they have the videos that you've put out to look at as well, right? (laughs) Yeah, kind of cross-reference, you know, the written version, the video version, because some people are visual learners, other are auditory learners, some are kinesthetic, and some people need to read it. And so that's another reason why I wanted to provide these different avenues, because I know everybody learns this stuff in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really excited last year to put out this documentary about natural vision teachers and natural vision improvement, where before the pandemic, luckily, uh, my colleague Barry Ocatel from Australia and I traveled around the world and we were interviewing other people like us who teach the Bates method and who have been doing this, you know, for dedicating their lives to it. And um, it was quite a journey to put together. And then we released it last October on World Sight Day. Mm-hmm. on October 8th. And, um, and now we're, you know, continuing to screen it at, at events and um, people can rent it or purchase it online. It was really the intention of it was to, by the end of it, if somebody had never heard of this before, by the end of it, they would be left feeling not only inspired, but feeling confident that there's something they can do. And, and now they have some resources to, to work with. And they've been introduced to 17 different vision teachers from different countries, we wanted to let people know that it's a global community. There's people around the world teaching this stuff. Right. I loved the documentary. It was awesome. Oh, thanks, Denise. <laughs> so I'm going to link that in the show notes also. There's a certain website to go to see the documentary, isn't there? And it's on yeah, your it's, website too? Yeah, it's pretty easy. It's vision2020movie.com. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's also linked through my main website, integraleyesight.com. Right. I think yeah, the, the movie is called Vision 2020 from Eyesight to Insight. So mm-hmm. we wanted to take the viewers on this journey from, okay, I understand my vision has to do with my eyes and my eyesight, but then we go deeper and we explore the emotional connection with our vision and the psychological aspects and, and the mental pieces Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it, it's really cool how it kind of takes you on that journey in, in realizing how much deeper your vision can be than just how you physically see, you know, with your eyesight. Yeah, I think that's a, such an important point. And I hope that our podcast today is going to reach those people who are receptive to the idea that we're presenting. You know, it's not a quick fix. People who want a quick fix are going to continue to go to their regular eye doctor and get glasses and all of that. Right. But if you want to go that slow route (laughs) and really fix it so that it's not, you know, you're not using that crutch of glasses or contacts or having surgery, um, then I think this is an awesome avenue to explore. I think that's a great point, Denise, is the fact that it's not a black and white thing. It's not a my way or the highway thing that we've got options and we get to choose what we do. Mm-hmm. And really, I'm not here to try and force people to do it. Or I just want people to know that it is an option. You know, it's, it's on the table. 
Because uh, before I didn't know it existed. I didn't know it was an option. I didn't know it was on the table. And so I just want people to be able to make informed decisions about that. We've talked about a couple people today, like Dr. Bates and these other people who have been teaching this. One other name that's maybe more well-known is Aldous Huxley, the author who wrote Brave New World and Doors of Perception. He had terrible eyesight. He had extreme astigmatism and even keratoconus, conical cornea. And he was like, you know, learning to read Braille. He was kind of like gearing up to essentially go blind. And he worked with Margaret Corbett, who was trained by Dr. Bates. He learned the Bates method and he wrote a book about it called The Art of Seeing. And in that book, he gives a lot of really good examples of uh, helping us work around some of those um, doubts or skeptical thoughts that pop up in our mind. Like one that you just kind of touched on of like people have the choice, they can do this or that. Um, Sometimes people were like, well, if the Bates method works, why wouldn't everybody do it? (laughs) <laughs> you know, but not everybody wants to do it. You know, exactly. and, and Aldous Huxley says in the book there that there's always going to be people who just want to get the glasses and that's good. That's fine. That's their choice. Right. There's plenty of room here for everyone. <laughs> you know, it's right. not, it's, I don't want it to be a, a conflict. I, and that was one of my favorite things about the documentary. One of the questions we asked everyone was what is your vision of the future of eye care? Mm-hmm. And I was partly expecting people to have sort of a, you know, kind of a, you know, negative spin on it. But wow, I was so inspired. People were saying like, I see a future where in the corner of every eye shop, every eye doctor shop, there's a vision therapist in the corner there, like a, just a little section there for the people who do choose to want to do that, but it's optional, you know, it's not, you know, the, uh, at least they would know about it. Yeah. yeah, uh Right. Right. But the uh, the late Roberto Kaplan, who uh, I was really honored to get to sit down and interview him shortly before he passed away, he left me with this amazing vision of the future where the eye care industry switches from a service-based industry as opposed to a product-based industry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right now, the, the way it's set up, you know, a lot of how they make their money and survive is, is to sell glasses and contacts. Mm-hmm. And the eye exam is not really how they support themselves. Whereas if the exam itself or vision therapy services would be the primary thing that they offer, and then the glasses and contact sales is just secondary for either the people who don't want to do the vision therapy, or maybe they're not a candidate for it, or it's just not a fit for them. Mm-hmm. But that, that was a that was sort of a paradigm shift for me of like, wow, what would it be like if it was just a whole different kind of business model, <laughs> so to speak? Well, and sometimes they are using glasses to help the person adjust to how their eyes can do certain things. And so it could be maybe a a short-term kind of a treatment that assists them in getting to the ultimate goal that they have. Exactly. When I look at glasses that way, I see them as tools. Mm -hmm. But when I see people use glasses around the clock or, or just, you know, not with that intention that you just said of like, I'm using these to show me how I can adjust and and progress. Mm -hmm. Then, then it looks more like crutches where it's just total dependence on them. And so I love it when people use glasses as tools, they're actually working with the visual system to get the clarity and help them do the neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's another, I'm glad this came up because that, that is another little 
slight misunderstanding. People think, oh, the Bates method, you just have to take your glasses off and never wear them. <laughs> and, and no, like we, we want to still wear the glasses as we need them. And then as our vision improves, we decrease them over time as opposed to that kind of cold turkey, you know, quitting cold turkey kind of approach. Right. Well, I'm sure there are cases where that works, mm -hmm. but so many of us cannot even function with no. yeah. <laughs> correction that we, we have to go about it a little bit slower than that. Exactly. I loved how my vision teacher reminded me over and over again that you cannot rush this. You cannot force it. You can only coax it. You can only encourage it. You can only stimulate it. Yeah. Right. And a lot of in a lot of cases, glasses stimulate that, you know, and it really coaxes it in a good way. But yeah, there I you're right. I have met people who do the cold turkey thing and and actually during the pandemic, there's been even more people doing that because they're like, I don't have to drive. I don't have to commute. Like I'm just at home and, and they're having more freedom to kind of go without it. And people have been reporting that that's like been an amazing thing that they would not have done if it wasn't for the shutdown. <laughs> sure. <laughs> there are some of those benefits coming out of this whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, I think that we probably are going to need to wrap it up. Do you have any last tidbit of wisdom that you'd like to share with people? Yeah, we've already covered a lot today. And I think that I, I would love to just leave a message of hope, of collaboration, of working together. Sometimes when when I tell people what I do or when I you know talk about this stuff, sometimes I'm met with some resistance or even some defensiveness. And I'm really here to bridge the gap and, and really find out how we can work with vision therapists, with eye doctors, with ophthalmologists. So it's this support that people are getting from the team. Um, right. And that's where my intention is. And hopefully that, that comes through a little bit in our conversation. And I'm just happy that people are curious about the possibilities. And I've put a lot of work over the past five, six, seven years of providing people with free resources to learn about this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would just invite people to check out YouTube, check out the podcasts, maybe rent the documentary, check it out and just start learning. Cause this is an education based approach. Um, it's not as much a medical based approach where we're learning about ourselves. We're learning about our eyes. We're learning about our mind, learning about our vision. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't require expensive machinery or tools, or it's all this, like the palming, we've got our hands here, we it's built in, you know, it's, it's free. It's just a matter of tapping into it. And so that's the exciting part is how do we utilize the tools we already have built in? Mm -hmm. Plus, we can complement that with our Brock string at the vision therapist and, and the light flashing lights that we can hit and all of these amazing vision training tools. Sure. And I guess I would love to leave people with this idea that um, no matter what's on the outside, so much of the vision is, you know, 90% mental on the inside. So, mm -hmm. so I would just invite people to kind of look within and see what happens when you spend more time with your eyes closed or palming and kind of what you see inside yourself. And you might even learn about some of your root causes of your vision problems or, or the things that your eyes have been through over life. It's just a lot, a lot here to, to discover and learn. So that's why I'm kind of excited for the idea of thinking about people looking into this and trying it out and seeing what kinds of insights and, and personal discoveries they can make uh, along the way. Yeah. 
Uh, that is great. I really hope that that's what comes from this and that we get some feedback to that effect uh, because that's really the thing that keeps me going personally is the hope that people will benefit from it. And so we'll just look for those kinds of uh, responses, hopefully. And yeah, I yeah. You know, really and if, if people do have uh, questions or, or things they want to share or feedback, um, or I'm always looking for open-minded behavioral optometrists or eye doctors who that's one of the most common questions I get from, from my students is who can I go see, you know, who, who's open to this stuff. Help me decrease my, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, if if anybody out there is listening and and they would want to collaborate or work together, I'm always on, on the hunt for new connections of people who are combining the, the conventional and the holistic and how we can kind of work together. So. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for our discussion today, and uh, we'll look forward to maybe uh, giving some more insight later on all of this. I really appreciate the invitation. Uh, this has been really cool to, to chat with you today, Denise. And uh, I, like I said before, I, I love love your show and loved hearing about the Vivid Vision <laughs> in the last episode. Uh, I've been aware of that company, and you know, I've referred a lot of people to their website. So to have you they're talking to them like that was just like, oh, this is so awesome. So <laughs> keep it up and, and I'll, I'll be uh, listening to all the future episodes as well. So, oh, great. Thank you. Uh-huh. And we'll hopefully be able to share it with way more people uh, as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing Our Sight. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, add a review and share it on your favorite social media. You can also ask questions or suggest a guest by visiting my Facebook page, Healing Our Sight, and more information is found on my website, HealingMySight.com. Thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.